Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. It's Rob Case and Trevor Koppel. Trevor, uh, there's only one reason we're having a podcast today. It's to talk about the XFL start February 18th tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I, no? I haven't seen the schedule. Uh, do you know? Uh, are they playing what six games? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean. The the NFL is dead in the water. <laughs> uh, the, you know, there's no reason to talk about that scummy, poopy league anymore. So, um, and there certainly isn't anything that's significant that happened last weekend. That's why I figured we might as well take our sights and push it forward <laughs> straight into Dwayne the Rock Johnson's large chest. Is that fair to say? Oh my God, is he uh, yeah. is he involved in the XFL this season? He owns the XFL. Jeez, I had no idea. Um, All right, that actually. You know, when I think about it, that could uh, it could bode well for the league. It could, it could. Yeah, you know, when you got the the, the Fast and Furious family behind you, and you're running a uh, a National Football League or a football league in general. Ooh, wow, nice pun there. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot to be a lot to love, and especially if you have Dwayne the Rock Johnson and his 38 inch pythons and his illustrious acting career and prowess. And his ability to point out jabronis in a crowd of many, I would be uh, well. Suffice to say, I would be pretty confident in the league I'm running or being part of. So no, it, or it, watching it. It's good because uh, man, everything that went down wrong with the AFL was it uh, three or four the years AF, ago now? Yeah. The uh, All American Football League. Yeah, it turned yeah. out to be a, almost a, a boondoggle uh, financially. So. So yeah, this uh, this creates some confidence in the uh, in the spring league. So I like it. Yeah, you're saying that it was a mud pie of bakery sweets. Is that kind of what you're gonna have with? Well, yeah. Bottle? When when it all fell apart, in hindsight, it was like it almost felt like they were planning on it not working out, and uh, and that that really bothered me as a fan because like you you. Take the time to to learn the names, the places, the players. You get invested, and they didn't even they didn't even play out the whole season. Yeah, as opposed to the first year of the XFL, which actually was going pretty well, and then the pandemic. And then the pandemic so it really really, really screwed that up. Yeah, that was not their fault. Right, right. So it's, it's unfortunate. So, but let's be honest, Trevor. What we're really here to talk about is well. A holding call. Oh, One man. holding call <laughs> on the uh, 20-something yard line and that's got the whole country in a stir. And uh, people who don't even really watch football or watch it casually talked to me this week about this holding call and what I thought about it and whether or not it was one. And I'll tell you what I will say. I was watching the game with several of my friends. Um, as soon as I saw that player happen... And uh, Bradbury had, who was it? It was Juju Smith, right, Schuster? Yep. He had him yep. basically by, like, the, the, the back of the jersey. Not really. He just pulled him. He didn't grab the jersey. He pulled him. I mean, it, it, we're going to get into semantics here in a bit. But nonetheless, um, I said, that's a hold. They're going to throw a flag on that. And my friend was like, no, no, they're not. I, I, how, what are you even seeing? I said, they're going to throw a flag on Bradbury. Watch, you know. And sure enough, flag came out. And I think... It was almost sort of, uh, what, what's the right word here? Antithetic, antithetical. There's some big word here I could use, but it, it was the antithesis of the season. That this game, it was arguably one of the best Super Bowl 
matchups we've ever seen. We'll get to that later. And it was decided by a referee call. That's right. What it was. So, yeah, I, I definitely understand uh, where you're coming from, uh, and, and I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, I definitely feel that the uh, the game, you know, the, the the penalty didn't need to be called. It was a penalty. Um, not every penalty gets flagged, and yeah, we were watching this really really exciting game. As as you already mentioned, maybe one of the better Super Bowls I've ever seen. Uh, uh, in terms of just stacked talent on both sides of the ball for both teams, this crazy back and forth. Every, you know, nobody ever really. Uh, both teams were in it the whole time. Nobody. You know, there was a ten-point halftime deficit, but that's not. Uh, you know, that's that's a cakewalk for for someone like the Chiefs to get back in the game, and and they did get back in the game. Um, had they not called that penalty. The Chiefs would have had a much longer field goal attempt to go ahead by three and, you know, get get the field goal or not. Uh, the Eagles would have had a minute or so with one timeout left to uh, to try and get down the field. Uh, you know, that team being built the way they are, they're not going to score in, uh, you know, just a handful of seconds the way the way some teams can't. They, they need a little more time to, to keep it interesting, and, and that would have been – the ending that we were all really excited and anticipating to see is what, what's Philadelphia going to do with their last possession. Um, and instead, you know, we got to see, uh, you know, some run the clock down plays. I think they even did. They kneel once before they kicked the field goal. I think they did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of times. Think, so yeah. it, 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 you know, <clears throat> as a neutral fan, of you know neutral being I, I wasn't for one team or the other I had my predictions and I've got love for different players on both both teams um but as a neutral fan enjoying a great game it really took the wind out of the game right right at the end um so that that's my take on it is they they kind of just shot themselves in the foot when it comes to the product on the field um and it wasn't like it was some, you know, leading with the helmet or some safety concern. It was a holding call. Um, didn't didn't need to be called. Um, it, it, you know, if if I could decide, I would have. I wouldn't have. Uh, wouldn't have called that penalty. Um, however, I'm not sure that it changed the outcome of the game. I think that's a stretch. There's no guarantee that not throwing that flag would have given an Eagles victory, but that's also the argument. We'll never know. So uh, it's just, it's just unfortunate that that's the way it went right there at the end. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that, uh, look, we can go over two plays. I'll, I'll, I'll put out there right now. Maybe I can get your analysis on these, right? Oh, sure. Punt return. I, I was going to say, I think I, yards. I think I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. uh, the pump and return the and the fumble absolutely and the fumble so that's what caused them to lose this game right if, if you ask me it really is that fumble of course the punt return absolutely special teams uh, get overlooked sometimes when you have two really great teams like this uh, you know I talked about it you know we talked about the uh, the the defense and offensive line talent in this game uh, at at length um, we never really I, I don't recall really going into an analysis of the special teams. And that was a 
big special teams play. I think, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the longest punt return in the history of the Super Bowl. Um, and, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so that's very impactful. Uh, but I still think that the fumble, more than anything that happened in that game, like that's that's that pivotal deciding moment. You know, Jalen and I I love Jalen Hurts. Uh, he had a fantastic game. If you take out that fumble, um, he set several Super Bowl quarterback records. Um, most notably, three rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. And there's only one other player with three rushing touchdowns in a Super Bowl, and that's Terrell Davis. Um, so he's definitely the first quarterback to do it, and only the second player to ever do it. Um, had a, had a great game, but man, that ball—I don't even think it was punched out when you when you saw it no, replayed. He just he just let the ball yeah. slip out of his hand, and so and, it, and it was a scoop and score. I mean, it, right. if that drive had ended in a punt. The Eagles probably win the game, uh, right? But uh, but he he dropped it. They scooped it up, ran it in the end zone, and that's seven points. So uh, you know, I, I I'm not you know I don't want to you know pour salt in the wound or anything. But you know, Philadelphia fans, I, I know a few of you are listening, and uh, you can't can't get too bitter about that holding call because. You, you had every opportunity to win that game, uh, and, and you know the the punt return, the fumble definitely let Kansas City get back in it. And you can't you can't give a team like Kansas City those opportunities because they're gonna take advantage of that. They did, and they won the game. Simple as that. <laughs> what else can you say? I mean, it wasn't like a game full of like swing plays. Uh, those were those were the two. Yeah, because literally that fumble. Let Kansas City back in the game, and the punt return set him up to win the game. Oh yeah, that's really about it. That was it. That's kind of how it went, <laughs> and the game was excellent. Otherwise, you know. So I, it, it's interesting when you go back and, and like I said, I only bring up the holding call because it was so polarizing and it was so indicative of all the talk we had before we got to this game, specifically. I mentioned how the refs were going to be impacted in this game. I think we both were like, well, if it happens, it happens. But they really haven't um, done much to suggest that they won't. And I think I remember asking you, like, if you took... Oh, no, I wasn't asking. I just said right out front, if you took an alien and you put him on on Earth and they had never watched football before, right? And they and they saw the refs impact the game like they did. They would think that would just be part of the game. <laughs> right. You know, or like they would, they, they might even think that was weird. And sh- like, who are these striped people not playing, calling all these weird calls? Well, that's what we got. And I thought it was interesting. I mentioned last week how Roger Goodell came out and said, "Well, these the refs are doing the greatest job they can." Right? Came out and defended them right up front, and then we got a holding call, and the one of the last plays of the Super Bowl after they held the whistle and literally called the the, the game mostly perfect up until two minutes left to go when they didn't need to call something like that. They didn't have to. Right. And I, I think that's the worst part about it. Um, they didn't have to call it. it. It probably didn't affect the outcome. Uh, maybe it did. We didn't, we'll never know. Like you said, it's no point in playing you know, revisionist history. But um, that's why we talk about stuff like this, because that's what we do. <laughs> so we play revisionist history, and we wonder what could have been. And 
Obviously, we can't say definitively, but we can still be disappointed by it, and I think it continues to be a theme in big games in the NFL, and it's something that you would hope in the offseason they take a look at it and decide how how and when and where these calls are made and why they're made the way they are, and maybe there's more emphasis on deciding when to hold that whistle and when not to, or what a holding call looks like, or there's more DPI. I don't know. You know, man? You know what I'm saying? It's just... There needs to be more continuity, um, and they do enough on the competition committee to decide what the, the NFL is going to look like season to season. And I think they do a decent job of that. But how come there's not enough? You know, there's not more emphasis on what the refs need to look like season to season to right. the competition committee. Why isn't the NFLPA getting involved? It affects the, the 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 competition in the game, right? And the and the players directly. So what's 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 the disconnect here are they is it because they're not full-time you know i i don't i don't really get it yeah it's and we we continue to get these calls so yeah it's it's a tricky thing and uh the the truth is is that i don't uh you know if i was going to have a stronger opinion on these things i'd have to do a lot more research on on the uh well we can only speculate on the referees exactly <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, one of the things I like about, uh, the, uh, chief's victory is that this, uh, puts an end to both the coin toss curse and the MVP curse, because this year the MVP won the Super Bowl, the team that won the coin flip won the Super Bowl. So, uh, that ends a couple of pretty big, uh, losing streaks. There you have it. <laughs> I think it's the the first time in like 11 years that the MVP won the Super Bowl. And I think the first time in in eight or nine years that the team that won the coin flip won the Super Bowl. What what, was it part of that? I thought it was Kurt Kurt Warner. I'm sorry? Wasn't it farther than that? I thought it was Kurt Warner was the last time an MVP won the Super Bowl. Oh, maybe it is. I thought it was 11 11 years, but uh, I could be wrong. Well, yeah, because... that would have been, yeah, Brady and Flacco. No, it would have been farther than that, right? We I mean, can go down the line, but is it worth talking? <laughs> hey, it's not worth it. Anyway, it's been a long um, time. That's the point. It's and, been a long uh, time. And now we can, you know, next <laughs> right. year we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, right, it's just another useless stat, sort of. It's like, who cares, MVP? Okay, we well, all know it, it's it, kind of a butt trophy. It just became but, this bizarre yeah. coincidence. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. like I don't think having the MVP or winning the coin toss, I mean, winning the coin toss maybe is, is more impactful, but it's strange that the winner of the coin toss uh, hadn't won in almost a decade. Right, right. And it's not like there's, like, you know, witches in Salem, Massachusetts, like, right. versus on the MVP. Right. There's no, there's no story behind other than it just... It's not happening. It just worked so, out that way, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So we got we, we got the call. It was interesting. Obviously, we buried that, basically. I don't, did you hear anything about the field surface? Curious. And I didn't even realize it was a problem but until after the Super Bowl, but apparently this was a major problem. So I, I did see a lot of that during the game, and uh, the, the people I was watching the game with had a great time, by the way. Um, they... Uh, they kept bringing it up, and I and I saw what they were talking about. Um, these guys were sliding a lot, and uh, and it is a grass field, so I don't I'm not sure what the argument is to be made there. I I, I think most players the consensus is in they'd rather play on grass than turf, um, to uh, to avoid some of the injuries associated with with going all out on turf. 
but uh, that grass field, um, it looked like good grass to me. But man, you, you kept seeing these guys slip and and dig up, you know, dig grass out down to the dirt. And uh, I think that's just something that, I mean, I, I I'm not sure where, you know, how often we're used to seeing the Super Bowl in grass versus turf, but. When you see two teams like this, which really, in hindsight, you know, it's all done. I really do think we saw not just the two best teams in their conferences, but the two best teams in the league in that game this year. And you get that much talent on the field, and it's all on the line. This is the, this is the last one. Uh, these guys going all out, man, they, they were really, uh, you know, their, their feet couldn't keep their feet under them a lot of the time, and it, and it, it, was, uh, it was a problem. Ready to hear? Ready to hear anything about what's called slip slash sodgate? You ready to hear about this? Conspiracy? Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, lay it on me. <laughs> so the Eagles' defense had a player slip rate. I don't know how they calculate this. Oh I man, who's watching film that's calculating the slip rates of players? But they got it calculated by February thirteenth, which means it was done the next day oh, after man. Super Bowl. But nonetheless, the Eagles' defense had a player slip rate of 38% on Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks. Five times they had in multiple slippages. I have no idea what that last last thing that means. But regardless, 38% of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks, an Eagles player slipped on, right? Right. The Chiefs' defense had a player slip rate of only 14% of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks with no multiples, meaning there was not multiple players falling. There was just one at a time. Whereas on Patrick Mahomes' drop, dropbacks... There were five times where multiple players fell. That's crazy. I, I, it's, I don't know who calculated that, but that's intense. <laughs> and there is there seems to be a gate here. There is a slip gate. So that's why I'm talking about this this field surface thing, man. It's a little strange to me. Not that look, I'm a guy who, wear, who can wear a tinfoil hat any day of the week, you know. Um, right. But. I mean, obviously, I'm being silly here, but I I did notice I didn't notice the conditions. I don't know if I heard him talking about it, but I did notice afterwards there was a ton of talk about it, and it's it was it's and to to, to hear that it was one of the worst surfaces that a game's probably had this year in the Super Bowl in Arizona. It's inexcusable. I mean, and it probably didn't help the conditions. But here's the kicker. Right, and I think you agree with me, and I say this, Trevor. It's football. No, absolutely. It's meant to be played in sloppy conditions. Absolutely. I'm I sorry. mean, they're, they're, I mean, we. <laughs> I, is uh, that's what it is. Is that is that a dome? I don't think it is. Is it? No, it is. It, it is. is a dome. But the point is, yeah. is, it just as well could have been some place that gets, you know, a decent dose of rain. Uh, all these things can happen to affect it. football. Is played in the elements. Um, I, I do like grass more than turf. Um, but the, the other part of this is that it, it's not like the, the field had something against the Eagles. Okay, both teams had to play on it. Uh, so, I like, I don't, I don't see it as a, a something gate, all right? Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a condition that, that is unbiased. Uh, both both offenses, both defenses had to play on it. And when I think back to the instances that I noticed this, it was it was Kansas City skill positions that I saw uh, losing their feet on the on the turf. So, uh, and I'm sure it was happening to the Philadelphia pass rush. Um, I'm sure these guys aren't making it up, 
but uh, but both teams had to play on that field. So uh, I don't think it's something to raise a stink about the outcome of the game as much as, you know, maybe we should have better grass. I don't know. It just continues to baffle me because I think they played, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple Super Bowls between now and 10 years ago. They played Super Bowl, what the, it have been 48 or 47, right, with New England and Seattle, and it was bad then too. Right. You know, from what yep. I remember. Yep. Um, it's strange how this surface can't be figured out. I, I don't know. And and I think I, I was listening to the radio, and so this is an original take, okay? But the the one that really kills this the turf is because the halftime show one um they have to have the the grass of what i was reading um is that they have to have the grass in a certain way so it's like really soft and the sod is like extra and now i'm going <laughs> get in the grass talk here so really bear with me right because it's not something i'm i'm an expert on but no we're, there's we're, something about this isn't it. a golf podcast <laughs> right right <laughs> Bear with me. Hold on. Going to get in the weeds. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and there's <laughs> the the image, the like the the actual Super Bowl like logos they paint on there. They're like insanely detailed, which causes a lot of problems too on, on grass surface. So um, what they were, I mean, what they could do is just superimpose them with graphics, and who gives a crap about what they look like when you're inside the stadium? You know. Right. So, uh, but they should superimpose the graphics on the telecast. That's what they should do. They probably won't, but that's the, he- the help with the surface moving forward. I mean, obviously, I I don't know if Arizona's going to get another Super Bowl after this year, but we'll see. You know, not going to win. Right. So, um, yeah, it was it was a bizarre. It, it was it wasn't like a super important note, but obviously had an impact in the game. So, Sodgate is real. It is a real thing. So. In case you're wondering, somebody calculated the slippage rate. Somebody did that. <laughs> they, somebody took enough time to watch the slippage. That's that's where we're at now, Trevor. That's There's going to be a slippage <laughs> podcast somewhere out there, right? Now, I'm curious, uh, coming off of anything that's just meta- hypothetical, this is what we watch in the game, man. We're talking, you mentioned earlier Jalen Hurts had an excellent performance outside of the fumble. This was probably the best quarterback play I've ever seen in the Super Bowl between the two guys. And I've seen multiple. You know, watch the old ones, new ones, everything in between NFL yearbook, you know, the great NFL greatest games, the, the replays, obviously anything I watched live. I've never seen two quarterbacks play as good as they did in this game. Yeah, oh, and that's why it really does come down to that one mistake. Um, because the rest of the game, it was, it was just top-notch, mistake-free uh, uh, play from that position. Um, so yeah, and, and really, I mean, you saw, you saw two really good teams play really good football, and that's why the that's why the penalty stands out because there weren't a lot of penalties in this game, uh, and that's why that punt return, e- even without being dubbed, you know, the uh, the longest punt return in, in Super Bowl history, uh, those two plays really stand out because it's the only things you can point at and be like, oh. That that wasn't uh, that wasn't this platinum top shelf product we've been seeing for for the whole game, um, and uh, and that yeah it really does uh, show just how good these teams were and these quarterbacks absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean look at this performance by Patrick Holmes twenty one twenty seven buck ninety three touchdowns QBR of ninety six point four 
Yeah, and so that's that's one of those ESPN analytical stats. So it's not the QB rating. It's it's a little confusing. QBR is calculated on like the difficulty throws and downs and the distance and who he threw to at what angle and so on and so forth. So ninety six point four. That's like almost like a perfect QBR. I mean, literally, Patrick Mahomes had a perfect game. He did. He yeah, had a perfect game. He didn't. He didn't get sacked. And it, he he had a pass to Travis Kelsey when he was take, almost about to take a sack from Jordan Davis. That that pass, I mean, blew my mind. There's only one guy that can make that throw. Is him. You know, he was he was getting brought down. He scrambled out, threw like a shovel pass to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey caught it at his like shoelaces. It was insane. Absolutely insane. Well, and um, then we also saw Jalen Hurts do something. You know, I've I've been a fan of his since he was at OU. And there's that famous uh, viral clip of him in the weight room uh, squatting 600 pounds. Uh, and and you got to see him do that in the Super Bowl. He wasn't squatting 600 pounds, but he was moving that pile, <laughs> all right, to get that touchdown. Uh, not a lot of quarterbacks can yeah, – I mean, I know some, some quarterbacks have size and, and they've got – uh, the leap, and they've got a knack for for getting between the, the 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 center and the guard, but I don't think there's any other quarterback that I've ever seen that can move the pile the way Jalen Hurts can move the pile with his legs, uh, like he's Jerome Bettis out there or something. Um, so it was just just great to see these guys uh, be at the top of their game for this for this matchup. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, and I've heard this a lot since coming out of the Super Bowl. There was a lot of takes on ESPN and some of these pundits that were saying that Jalen Hurts outperformed Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Jalen Hurts outperformed Patrick Mahomes? I, I I think you're I think you're comparing two different musicians at that point. They're, they nope. they have they have different styles of play. Uh, I think I saw one of Jalen Hurts' best performances uh, that I've ever seen out of him, but I can't say that he had a better performance. Patrick Mahomes was phenomenal. Uh, and, and you know that's yeah. It's uh you know the the Eagles win and the the Super Bowl MVP goes to Jalen Hurts, no question. Right. Um, right. But it, it didn't work out that way, and uh, and you know I, I I start to sound like a broken record, but this is uh we we lose sight a lot with these kind of debates. This is a team sport. Um, neither one of these guys had the performance they had on their own. Uh. But no, I, w- I wouldn't say Jalen Hurts outperformed Patrick Mahomes uh, without taking anything away from what Jalen Hurts did. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's taking away from what Jalen Hurts did or Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying that, like, obviously they're going to compare the position, regardless of the musician style, what have you. They play the same position, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're putting them side by side, the idea is that one outperform the other regardless of the results. That's what the pundits want to discuss. It's something that creates people yeah, to tune in. You know? I, 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 I think, And I get what uh, you're saying, but this is, did he not? Did he Did he or did he not? Uh, That's did, the question. Did Jalen Hurts fumble the football? Uh, no. Did I, he, I think, did he well, but that's what I'm saying. Is like You, you want to okay, tell me that enough. Jalen Hurts outperformed Patrick Mahomes. I didn't see Patrick Mahomes drop the ball. And, uh, and and I don't revel taking this side of the argument because, like I've said, I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts, and I thought he had an amazing game. But uh, I, th- you know, I think that's clickbait at a certain point. The uh, Jalen Hurts outperformed Patrick Mahomes, and now nah, I, I I don't buy that. 
Okay. I mean, that's what it is, though. It is, of course, it's clickbait. What? Mm-hmm. They're going to stretch <laughs> this one out for, like, a whole week, you know, because the NFL is not going to be gone until August. So, of course, they're going to debate this for a whole week, you know? Right. So you're going to find right. some the, angle. This, this is our here. last little nugget yeah. uh, for, for, what, seven months? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. 15 carries, 70 yards, three touchdowns, right? A prolific running performance from Jalen Hurts. 27 of 38, 304, and a touchdown. Two sacks, two yards, so basically just covered sacks. Um, throw through probably two of the best, three of the best balls I saw all season. One to Dallas Goddard on the sideline. Oh, that was great. Just an absolute freaking dime. He threw one to A.J. Brown in the end zone for the touchdown, where like Brown adjusted to it to catch over his shoulder, but the ball was there. It was only his. It was nobody else's, you know? So it was perfectly placed. This one didn't count, but Devontae Smith on the sideline where he fumbled it, or um, he hit the ground and it popped out, but it didn't. And I'll be honest, I can get into the replay mumbo-jumbo here in a second, but I don't know how much time we, we have to, to argue this because I thought that was, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a completed pass, but also they took, like, literally an hour to get to figure that one out. And I know Yeah, it's simple, it took a long time, Jesus. didn't it? Yeah, and Devontae Smith on the sideline, probably his best throw of the of the day. Didn't even count. What did you think of his throwing performance? Just throwing wise, not no. Really. I, we know so he's a good I, I I absolutely think that when it came to what what people saw these two quarterbacks as and the expectations on them, uh, if we're talking about which quarterback exceeded expectations, especially through the air, that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's he's been talked about all season as as the uh, you know, he's actually the starting running back for the Eagles. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, especially as they found their rhythm, you saw more running and, and less of this prolific passing attack. But here you are in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, Jason Kelsey, uh, sorry, Travis Kelsey, and, uh, you know, the, the rest of the Chiefs. And so, yeah, they they had to move the ball through the air, and it was brilliant. Um, I, I think... Uh, it's not to be overlooked, and I think I've mentioned this uh, uh, recently on the podcast. Uh, Devonta Smith, what an amazing step forward he took in his second year. Because um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's he's looking like the Heisman candidate, or the, sorry, the Heisman winner that he is, uh, the first round draft pick that he is, and uh, and you can't do that without somebody who can throw those kind of passes, and so. We're seeing that out of it takes two is what I'm saying. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts is a uh, a dangerous quarterback through the air. He's not. He doesn't have to beat you with his legs. Um, and Devonta Smith is uh, is not a bust the way you know. Sorry to do it, Denver, but uh, Jerry Judy kind of a bust. Um, mm. So the way I see it. But uh, and and Devonte Adams looked like he might have been after his rookie year, but uh, he's just he took a huge step forward this season and and through the season. I think he finished a much better wide receiver than he started the the twenty two season. So uh, just really cool to see that stuff. And then you know, listeners of the podcast know that I'm a big Dallas Goddard fan. Uh, I think he's one of the if not the best uh, run blocking tight end in the league. But he can still run routes. He can. He's got good hands, and man, he made an amazing catch when they needed it. It was good. You you called it last week. You said um, 
watch for Dallas Goddard to have a big game. Six catches for 60 yards. It doesn't feel like the stats don't pop out at you. If you watch the game, he was a big impact. Oh, big time. So, in the, yeah, in the, in the run game, obviously 32 carries, 115 yards, 3.6 on the ground, but three touchdowns. So they got it when it mattered. doesn't really matter about the yards as much as the attempts. That's just their offense. They're just going to run the ball, like, a lot. And good luck stopping it. And Kansas City did a pretty good job. I'll tell you one thing, one unit that didn't do a good job, however, and I think it's being talked about a lot, maybe not enough, I'm not really sure, but the Eagles defense, man, what happened? No, so what happened to the Eagles you're, defense? You're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought it up. What um, you know, happened? I, I, uh, I, I was not thinking about Slipgate when I was, you know, I've, I've talked to people <laughs> throughout the week about Should've. this. You know, this was this right. historic, you know, this historic sack hungry defense, seventy sacks in the regular season, just you know, they they didn't sack Patrick Mahomes. Um there was no pressure. Yeah. Hardly so, any pressure. Yeah. Uh and and we had talked about it last week. You know, I, I, I gave an edge to their defensive line, but I didn't rule out the possibility that Andy Reid and that offensive line could could scheme away to keep scheme. Patrick Mahomes yeah. to from uh from from feeling that pressure and from getting sacked and and, and credit to Mahomes for being as mobile as he is, uh, and and reading those those defenders and getting out of the harm's way and getting getting the ball out, but uh, but yeah that that was that was a, you know it's not being talked about as much as the fumble or the punt return or the holding call, but uh, the the Eagles defense they they played their butts off they played good football but they did not get sacks. And they did not get a defensive stop in the second half. Right, right. And um, you said schemed. Well, it was beautifully schemed. Like, if you were to paint a picture, like, <laughs> I don't know, Van Gogh, right? Starry <laughs> Night. That's what it looked like. They had a ton of motion. A lot of guys just going left to right, left to right, right? Oh, yeah. Um, dudes just, just uh, like... Perfectly placed in terms of in the slot. They had Kelsey. He was running all over the place. Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco was running really really well between the tackles. They had Jarek McKinnon, who, who busted a couple out. Um, you know, Kadarius Toney, they had one. What, his touchdown on the sideline, on the, on the uh, excuse me, the end zone. And the, <laughs> the goal line. Jeez, Luis. A five-yard catch. He was in motion. Came around into this, like the corner, like the slot on the right-hand side. Did like a zigzag route, like Edelman back in the Arizona Super Bowl in 24-15, and was open, and it was beautifully schemed. Oh, yeah. And that's what happens when you give Andy Reid two weeks to come up with something. I mean, you could have the best defense in the NFL of all time. It's Andy Reid. He's one of the best offensive coaches of all time. And that menu that he holds is, yeah, people joke, they're always holding a Denny's menu. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's hungry for touchdowns, if anything. That's right. You know, the guy just ordered a grand slam, but he put 38 points on one of the best defenses we thought what of all time with 70 sacks and constant pressure and yeah. made them look like they were a, G- a JV team. No, and, so, and um, I'll, I'll eat crow. Last, last podcast I said, you know, I, I gave an edge to the, uh, the talent and the depth that Philadelphia has on both sides of the trenches over what I think is the best, uh, you know, quarterback and head coach in the matchup. Um, and, and at that, at, at, you know, in hindsight, I was wrong about that. Uh, tip of the cap to to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the Chiefs. 
Uh, I also think that those two quarterbacks are closer in, in ability and talent than, than I previously thought. That, that's, that's credit to Jalen Hurts. He had an amazing game. Um, I, I, you know, and I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan, but in that game, he exceeded my expectations as a Hurts fan, and that's why it really hurts, pun intended, uh, to see that, that yeah. uh, fumble. Because that fumble, again, I think is the most pivotal moment in the game. Totally, yeah. And um, going back to what, uh, the Chiefs, right, in terms of what they did against the Philadelphia Eagles and their defense, I mean, I brought up the offensive line of, of Kansas City last week. I thought they played really well. Creed, uh, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Wendell Brown, um, and the other guys on the other side, I can't remember the names. It doesn't really matter because the left side played excellent. They kept, oh, yeah. they kept Patrick Holmes clean, right, zero sacks, very clean, a lot of time. Um, and I just thought that Philadelphia really played very timid on defense. I thought a lot of cover two, a lot of space for Kansas City in terms of where they could put their receivers and get them in first downs. Um, if they needed nine yards, they always got it, right? Um, there was a lot of space for the running backs. I, I was surprised to see no blitzes. I mean, they barely blitzed right. uh, so, Patrick Mahomes. They barely had any pressure off the edge. I was just, I, it blew my mind. I, that game. I did hear that on the radio this week. I think it might have been uh, Derek Wolf, former Bronco, talking about that. Um, Philadelphia, I think, only blitzed uh, from the left twice in the entire game, and both times you're forcing forcing Mahomes to his right, and uh, you know if he has to run right and then reset his feet with that uh, you know questionable ankle. And both times it ended in a broken play. It uh, didn't end in a sack or, or a turnover, but a, a busted play. And it just, in hindsight, it's like, why, why did they not, you know, see that and adjust to it? What, what the, he said they should have been blitzing from Mahomes' left every play. Um, yeah. And, and it's hard to argue with that, you know. Um, now we can't know what they were thinking or what they were trying to do on defense, but it's uh, you know if I'm correct, if that was Derek Wolf, he was making a pretty good case for uh, what Philadelphia could have done differently on defense that would have uh, could have uh, made a big difference. Yeah, I thought I think he's 100 percent right. I didn't know he said that, but I mean, it makes me feel good that I just said it. Absolutely, you know, me and Derek Wolf are uh, yeah. we're close. Um, you know, we've been close for a long time. A couple, couple of football uh, uh, geniuses. <laughs> right, just a couple of guys in general, right? Mm-hmm. But anytime, uh, with this defensive front that Philadelphia has, and Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, right? We said it last week, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, um, you know, and Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, to put 26 carries, 160 yards, and a touchdown on him, 6.1 yards a carry. It's got to be one of the more, more impressive offensive line performances probably in Super Bowl history one I, of the most I gotta because agree yeah that's that's one of the best defensive lines we'll probably ever see in, in this era uh, in terms of depth and rotation and their ability to rush the passer to put 6.1 yards of carry on them that's insanely impressive it's not a surprise to me that Eric Bieniemy got an offensive coordinating position in Washington today so considering and right. the offensive line is pretty damn good not to mention <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just an overall dominating performance, and it was it, it was it was perplexing. I think on Philly's end, and I was surprised. Um, Gannon, right, the defensive coordinator, got a job in 
uh, Indianapolis earlier this week. So uh, that was surprising. It you know it kind of reminded me of in twenty I think it was after the Atlanta Super Bowl. It must have been when Patricia got hired as the head coach in, in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think you're um, right. Yeah. Very, you know, it was like this defense is really good. The players, there's top-notch talent, you know, kind of top to bottom on Philly's defense. But like when you need the coaching the most in the in the Super Bowl, given that Sirianni is more of like an offensive guy, that's what you got. That's what you got. So I, I don't. I'm not saying I can't like say he's going to be a bad coach, but I was surprised that he got a head coaching position. You know. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but that's, uh, man, that's a whole that's other barrel is. of snakes. When it comes to looking for your next head coach, um, there's so few candidates out there that you're like, this is a home run. We want this guy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and every year we see uh, teams, you know, vying for the, the top, you know, available coaching candidates. And then, uh, and then we also see, uh, coordinators elevated to head coach, and you just don't know. You know that you know. Speaking for myself as a Vikings fan, I was very optimistic with Kevin O'Connell. Uh, first year looks pretty good. Um, makes me feel even better going into year two. But but it just as easily could be like, you know, uh, he's just not the same when he's not on the Rams. You know, um, you just don't know when these guys. You know, if you're going to hit on him or not. But you you got to go. You got to have. A, somebody be your head coach so uh yeah yeah, best of luck to him yeah i don't i don't disagree with you i'm not saying like you have to hire somebody (laughs) not gonna hire us they should but (laughs) (laughs) yeah right right um they you know and so like he's he's off he's a defensive coordinator best defensive football arguably um you know historic pressure rates everything looks good on paper it's just what i'm saying is is like that's what you got in the Super Bowl. You didn't get any of that. You oh, got yeah. a guy who didn't scheme correctly, who had two weeks to to prepare for Kansas City. Granted, granted it's Andy Reid. I'm not. You know, it's like apples and oranges. Like I, I, you can't compare the two. But um, you know, you got a guy that didn't blitz on the left side. That didn't adjust to what he should have in the second half. Didn't read the pressures correctly. I mean, that's what you got. Right. So against the best. Granted, it's the best, um, but their strength of schedule left a lot to be desired, and it showed that they couldn't really play against the best when it came down to it. You know, right? Well, um, and and is that almost a blessing in disguise for Philadelphia? Get somebody else in that right. position, because uh, like we've, we've said it so many times, that the talent is definitely there, um, and and now they have all these uh, all these proven commodities on on offense. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, you, you tell me what you think. I think, uh, Philadelphia as it is, is, is still in a, a window here. They could be back in it next year. Um, yeah, I think, I think competition in the NFC is going to get a little steeper at the top, but, uh, because, because I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, the 49ers are going to be better next year than they were this year. Uh, but I don't see them running a gauntlet the way every good team in the AFC has to in the postseason. Um, you know, they don't they don't get to play uh, teams like like the Giants. Uh, so, 
I think uh, I think there's real optimism for, uh, uh, of course, for the defending champion, but also for the the loser here. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, their window's open, so we could very well see him back next year. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we do. It should probably be like a return of San Francisco and them. I assume that's just what we're going to get because that's the NFC, right? I, that's what it looks like right now. Could, it could get, yeah, you said it could get tougher. It could, it could. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, don't have any hope that it will. <laughs> so, I, I, what I'm trying to say right? is uh, getting past yeah. getting past San Francisco is going to be tougher next year than it was this year. But I don't, I don't really see. You know, I I don't have you know. I'm I'm a big Minnesota fan, but I don't have anything I can point to and say this is why we're going to be contenders next year. Uh, and I can't say that for Dallas or or any of the other uh, potential contenders from this season. Um, I, I right now looking at next year's NFC uh, playoffs, it it really, in my opinion, is going to come down to the 49ers and the Eagles. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, even if there were some moves that were, like, pretty substantial, which I don't know, like, the NFL free agency list off the top of my head, that's yeah. for the next show. A lot of, a lot of stuff preview. can but... change between now and next season. <laughs> yeah. But the way I see it right sure. now, those are the teams uh, in the NFC. So I think, uh, you know, I think we'll see one or the other in the, in the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, no question. Um, no question. Well, where would you rank it? Super Bowls? Where would you, yeah, where would you rank the Super Bowl? Man, that that's always so tough. Um, because there's Big there's question. there's uh, you know, you're not just asking me if it was the best Super Bowl matchup ever. You're asking me if it was the best Super Bowl ever. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like, excellent. Like this Honestly. was an excellent game, but you know, if you're somebody who loves to see uh, you know, a, a a team come back from a historic deficit in the second half, mm. you know, you're mm. looking at at uh, Atlanta, uh, New England. Um, right. What was then, that deficit? I forgot. Yeah. What was, what was it? it? 28 to three. I no, think. it wasn't. Was it that much? Wow. Yeah. I think you guys were down 28 to three Jeez. and then, and oh then beat them. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to appreciate game. about a, a Super Bowl. It's, it's tough to rank them, but I, I'm comfortable putting this one top five of, of the Super Bowls I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the question, the ones you've seen, because obviously, like, we can watch the old Super Bowls, like Pittsburgh, Dallas, right, 79, excellent games. Don't right. Wrong. To- completely different era. But if you haven't been well, watching so. all season, you don't have the same investment, you know what I mean? Um, Correct, yeah. It's just uh, yeah. something special about about being plugged in for five months and then seeing it all play out on the field. Um, this was a great one, yeah. Yeah, I think it was really good. The ones I've seen, I'm trying to think. You know, this probably is top five. I, I don't know where I put it in the top five, but I know my number one. Uh, I Well, it's a it's kind of a tie. So, Super Bowl 36, New England, St. Louis, right? Mm-hmm. 9-11, that game was amazing. Vinatieri, uh, just really an awesome game. Very physical, right? I uh, love, um, love Vinatieri, yeah. God, it was such a good good Super Bowl. Seattle and New England. Because 24-14, right, with like five minutes left to go, Brady drives him down two two touchdowns and then Malcolm Butler's interception. It was like it was like Hollywood. Like Hollywood couldn't make a script that good. That's why the NFL has really good writers. But yeah. um <laughs> and you know, my Hollywood 
My yeah, all-time favorite, really I think my all-time favorite yeah. is still uh, Rams over Titans. I just, I loved yeah. that game. Um, I, it, it's another one of those that was exciting the whole time. Two really great teams. Right. Uh, getting the stop on the one-yard line. Like, that was just such a such a fun game to take in. And uh, that's going to be a tough one to beat for me. That was a that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were so many iconic plays too. Like Isaac Bruce took a took oh, one in the house. It right? was amazing, uh, and, <laughs> and some yards. of the some of the names yeah. from that game. And, and, and it's it's always going to be uh, uh, specific to the person watching the game. At the time, one of the, one of my favorite players uh, playing defensive end for the Rams, uh, uh, a player named Grant Wistrom. Who I saw one. Oh yeah, I yeah. saw him win three NCAA championships in four years with Nebraska. Um, just, mm. just phenomenal uh, on that black mm-hmm. shirts defense in the uh, mid '90s. And then you know, I, I was a big fan. I followed him uh, through. I think he was with the Seahawks before he w- went to uh, uh, then St. Louis, and uh, to see him win a Super Bowl, former Cornhusker. Like I just. I, I'd been a fan of the guy for almost a decade at that point, and uh, that was just one little piece of the pie that made that that Super Bowl so much fun to watch. It's an excellent one. The the one I can remember the most, probably like the most hype and plays and just uh, gravity in terms of the situation in the game was uh, would have been let's see, thirty five, thirty four, thirty three, thirty two. Was that? 32 was that with Elway? Elway's first one against Green Bay. Then he got spun in the air like a helicopter. Oh, you're right. When he yeah. went to the goal line. And that one I can remember so well because there was so much hype behind it with Terrell Davis and Elway. And they they just the Packers were going to repeat, and they were such heavy favorites. And nobody really took Denver seriously because all Elway did was lose Super Bowls in the 80s. Right. And it was like his last hurrah, and he comes in, and he just played his heart out. And it was an amazing game to watch because of the heart and the energy and just everything about that game was really cool to watch. And then um, and then Elway and the Broncos that's repeated. One of my favorites, right? They did repeat. Yeah, yeah they beat Atlanta by a ton. Yeah, because <laughs> by Ray a Buchanan ton, son. To strip club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Because Ray Buchanan went out to the strip club and um something. There was something else weird about that game. There was another. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of weird things. Atlanta just was very disconnected. From like the gravity of that game and the investment, and they just got blown out. They did, <laughs> and they were very good. To be fair, they weren't. They weren't going to beat Denver that year, um, but they also were disconnected from the game. So that one, and um, yeah, that's that's the one that really sticks out to me. Ninety nine was amazing, though. I remember they talked about that game for like three months about where they should replay that last play over and over and over again. Like there was like angles and sideline. Da da da. It was clear he was down. Right, 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 and then his reach for the goal line was like clearly short. But they, some weird reason, they just—it was like the first Super Bowl where they were, the media just wanted to stretch the news story out for like months, you know, about him stretching to for the touchdown and whatnot. So, um, yeah, two thousand, wow, two thousand ninety-nine. I guess when um, and thirty-six was good, and of course, like I said, I can't get, I can never get Seattle out of my head. That one with New England's and. Uh, Brady coming down and throwing the touchdown to to Jules, and Jules waving bye bye 
to Richard Sherman <laughs> to take the lead. And then, you know, Seattle having that huge play to, who was it? Uh, oh, my God. Was it Doug Baldwin? I don't remember. On the sideline where he, like, kicked off his shoe. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. And, I think that was Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he ended up catching it and then got tackled. And it was like that set up the goal line drive. You're like, they're going Marshawn three times. <laughs> and, of course, they throw the ball. Malcolm Butler picks it off. You could, Malcolm couldn't Butler. You couldn't write it better. It's my favorite Super Bowl of all time. It was insane. You know, absolutely insane. Being in New England during that time, you can't match. You, you'll never, you can't match that that game for me because of just the, the excitement and just the joy that we got from winning that game. And the whole thing was crazy. It was bigger than Atlanta. And that was a good game, too. But Right. Well, and that that's what's fun yeah. about talking about your favorite Super Bowls. You know, we could we right. could go online and find expert ranking of the best Super Bowls ever. Sure. But it really sure. is the uh, the personal touch uh, that makes yeah. these games special to, to each uh, fan. So it's 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 fun reminiscing on these. Yeah. And it, this game was excellent. It, it was really good, uh, like top to bottom. If you're a casual fan and you're watching this game, and most people are who are watching the Super Bowl, you know, let's be honest, what, 300 million people watch it? Right. Crazy? No, it was like a billion. It's only <laughs> a billion. A billion people watched it this year. So, like, how many of those people are actually football fans? Maybe a tenth of that total, you know? Right. Um, maybe. Maybe. They, <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> right. It was entertaining for them. It was like watching a movie. You know, it was like a very dramatic thriller, you know? So... That's that's football, folks. That is football. So, have you got any other words to say before we head off the air here? Uh, just that uh, you know, it was a really really great season. Uh, I, I loved the loved the outcome. Uh, can't wait to uh, to get into next season. But in the meantime, we've got lots of stuff to talk about in the off season. Coaching changes. Uh, I'm sure it won't be too long before we hear about potential rule changes, uh, free agency, the draft. Uh, we've got the XFL to keep an eye out for. Um, so, you know, uh, maybe not as exciting as the uh, last few weeks of the playoffs, but uh, excited to, to move on and, and uh, dig into to what's there. Plenty of things to talk about moving forward, and we'll try to do the best we can to keep it entertaining for the next five months. <laughs> <laughs> Up until what Trevor calls the dark period of um, the NFL season or an off season, And, and arguably it is um, not for, like, I would say between tomorrow, let's say, and the end of April. It's pretty entertaining for the most part. If you like front office moves and you like the draft and you're a nerd, and you love tra- watching the transaction wire, and that's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. This is this is where you, it, you kind of the rubber meets the road in terms of team building and getting ready for the next season. This is kind of this is where it all comes together. So well, it's a very important time. These are the things that give the you know fan is is short for fanatic, and uh, these these things that happen in the next couple months uh, are really what give the fanatics. Uh, you know, a little bit of juice going into the next season. Like this, this could work out. This could be, this could be our year. This could be the reason. Right. Uh, so we look forward to getting into that uh, for as many teams as we can. Yes, sir. Keep an eye on moving forward, as we say, and um, there'll be a lot to talk about between now and then. Next week, 
until then, please like, subscribe, and review the the podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Google Store, the Amazon Store, <laughs> the Google Search, the Google Translator, the the <laughs> anything that Google owns. Probably you you're probably already aware of, and this that's where you can leave us a review for more people to to like and love and enjoy this podcast. Uh, we enjoy it. Please leave a comment too and just say how much you like it. Appreciate it. Hopefully you stuck on to the end here. But nonetheless, until next time, we'll talk more of the NFL. Until then, we're out.